Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass. And folks, the National Predators are good. They're really good. They're really, they're really good. I mean, they're, they're still like really, first. Really, really yeah, they're like really, really good. <laughs> and just wanted to, to read this out because I, I tweeted this earlier today. But just to put things in perspective, okay? Since mm-hmm. December 4th. So this is over a month ago. Yes, there's some postponed games in there. But mm-hmm. since December 4th, the Predators have played 14 games. They have 12 wins in those 14 games. Only one regulation loss and only one shootout loss. That's, that's good. That's, that's a good. definition of good. And within those wins, they have two wins against Colorado, a team that everybody keeps talking about being so good, mm-hmm. so skilled. They have a win against the New York Rangers, who are second in their division, and a win against Vegas, who is still Vegas. So that's four quality wins out of that, too, which is really darn good. But the thing that gets me is the two wins – Against Colorado. And last night after the game, and this is it's obviously how questioning goes, and it's no fault, and I'm not getting out of anybody, but everyone's asking about, you know, getting a good quality win over such a skilled team like Colorado. Another a great win against a skilled team like Colorado was, and uh, even the Predators acknowledge that this is a litmus test for us, a good test against a really skilled team like Colorado. And so I finally had to ask Matt Duchesne, so. Aren't you guys pretty skilled, too, if you beat Colorado like this? What does it say about your skill mm-hmm. as a team and the depth that you all have when, when you're showing off and everything? Everybody keeps talking about Colorado's skill. What about Nashville's skill? It's not being some Nashville homer or fanboy. Everyone knows I try to keep it real. But, mm-hmm. hey, let's let's turn the narrative a little bit here that this team is playing way above what any of us expected them, and that's because skilled players are performing at their level and players are stepping up like a Tanner Genoa, Yakov training guys like that are stepping up and producing as well, the mm-hmm. secondary scoring. So there's skill in there too. Yeah, it's not the paper skill that you're used to seeing like your Nathan McKinnons, your Gabriel Landeskogs who didn't play, but still, you're not. it's not those players, yep. but it takes plenty of skill to be able to win games like this and to get two of them in, that, in just one month to get two of them over the team that everybody keeps talking about in the Central Division. Mm-hmm. I think that people tend to still ask those questions from the underdog standpoint Absolutely. of oh, like, totally. well, nobody at the beginning of this season would have thought this would have been such That's a fair. fantastic matchup. But you're right, and it's it's reshifting the conversation of, well, you recognize the talent on Colorado, but you also, why why did they win this game? Let's talk about that. Yeah, um, and we've talked about that week after week after week of why they continue <laughs> winning these games, and that hasn't changed. Um, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, you got to focus on that. It's not like at this point, it's not like these Nashville wins have been a fluke. No, it's no. not. And so it is time to turn that conversation around because how many times can you ask about another team being so skilled that you just beat <laughs> in a really, really, really good matchup? Oh, it was a fantastic game. That game against Colorado. Playoff, playoff vibes. Yeah. Playoff vibes because the Predators had that two goal lead and the Avalanche fought back and they had, you know, won five straight coming mm-hmm. from behind. And then then the Predators get a lead again and Colorado ties it. The Predators get a lead again. Colorado ties it. But what stood through is which John Hines been talking about the mental fortitude mm-hmm. and just the, the the adversity they faced and the resiliency. That's a that's a Trotsy Trotsian yeah. term <laughs> there, but they, they've been able to battle through whenever their backs are against the wall. That guys are stepping up, 
And you didn't see that all the time at the first few games of the season. You could tell it took a while to gel, and the boy, they're gelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gelling like Magellan? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it took some time, and you see the, the, the swagger, which I mentioned before, the swagger on this team and the confidence that mm-hmm. you have guys rolling out of the lineup. And this is not me sliding Philip Forsberg. It's just showing the depth of the Predators is that now two times where Forsberg's been out, they've been able to find ways to win without that skill. That just puts them to another level, potentially, when you have Philip Forsberg in the lineup, exactly. too. So it's not taking away from him. It's that that's even more danger for yep. the opposition when you have you have to prepare for Philip Forsberg. Because right now, to transfer over into rookie talk, you have Tanner Janot, who is becoming a player that you have to prepare for. Not just, oh, he's a big guy and he can hit, just a rookie. No, he's Teams a... Teams have to prepare yeah, for Yeah, he's a big guy that can hit you... And score a goal. <laughs> and he will. And he will. Yep. He will. I mean, Tanner know just when you think maybe that he might cool down a little bit, he keeps it rolling. He is fourth in rookie scoring overall in terms of points. 23 points. Only one behind Moritz Sider. And 27 points for Trevor Zegras. Lucas Raymond has 30. He's right in the mix of that. But in terms of goals, he is pacing the goal production of rookies with 12 goals. Lucas Raymond only has 10. Mm-hmm. Trevor Zegers has nine. Dawson Mercer at nine. I mean, it, this is really impressive for Tanner Janot. And I, every week we're going to talk about it until it slows down or until he wins the Calder. At least is getting recognized because I keep seeing discussions about top rookies and he's not in there. And I'm not making necessarily a campaign that say he deserves to win it right now. I got to get halfway through the season first. Yeah, still a few games away from there. But he but should be in the conversation. He should be in the conversation. Yeah. He should be getting talked about for more big talking heads than around just the in league Nashville. than just in Nashville yeah. or just people that are Nashville bias or no or more aware of Nashville. Mm-hmm. No, he should be getting put in those graphics about top rookie performance. How can you not put the rookie that has the most goals? I think, if anything, it shows a <laughs> lack of effort yeah. on their part that they're not lack doing their research. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know in point production he's fourth, but goals are very important. That's very important. <laughs> he scored plenty of timely goals. And the thing is, when we've talked about it before, he's putting all these points together on even strength, mm-hmm. not even power play. Yeah. It's not taken away from those that produce on the power play. It just shows how much just more a difficult. Metric. Yeah. yeah, how difficult it is because he's having to do this with more limited playing time yeah. as well. That's what's impressive of what Tanner Janot continues to do. And, you know, I don't want to throw the, the fighting thing in there, but it's that he can do that, meaning you have to prepare. If you're mm-hmm. going to go up against somebody and you want to say protect your own players or make a case or whatnot, Tanner Janot is willing to drop those gloves. And he's going to, to, to beat you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is and he's going to use his body yeah. even when he's not fighting yeah. you. He was going to use your, his body to yeah. the Preds' advantage. He, he's going to use every single thing that he has. And he's a, he's a fitness nut. Mm-hmm. He stays in shape. Obviously, he takes care of himself. And this is what you could tell the Predators' management saw in him and yep. why they decided to, to protect him. They saw something there that was special. And, yeah, it's a gamble. You never know. This gamble's paying off right now. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it just shows if he keeps this up, when the, his contract's up, dude going to be getting paid. Uh, he better. He's going to be getting paid. He will. Uh, but it's been very impressive. Oh, my goodness. Chase McCabe just walked in. To, it, walked in. I, see I him can't there. see him from where I'm sitting. Our hey, first Chase. ever producer back there. First ever producer. And look at him now. I he know. is the head honcho. Mr. Chase McCabe, the head honcho. The big cheese. 
He's right there. That's him. He, he's a beautiful dude. He's he a beautiful is. dude. He yeah. is. I love this bromance <laughs> going Always on. good to see. Hey, Their I mean, smiles looking at each other make me so happy. He was my first. I know he was. <laughs> I was here for it all. <laughs> love Started you, at the bottom and now we're here. <laughs> I mean him. Look at him. He at the top. I know. He's on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not that throne you might be thinking of, but oh, the actual gosh, throne. The big a turn, throne. guys. This took the a turn. The actual throne. The big throne. <laughs> Where Tanner Janot should be getting talked about to be at exactly. on the throne. Hoist him up on the throne. <laughs> Hoist him up. But not just Tanner Janot, but looking at depth scoring as well. And that's what's been the key now. We talked about this probably a month and a half ago about depth scoring was not necessarily in place for the Predators. It was just the top guys performing, mm-hmm. which is fine. But and they you, were, they were yeah. throwing some lines together, switching things in and out yeah. throughout you know, you every be other successful, night, but it started to work. Yeah, you have to have depth scoring. So Yakov Trenin stepped up. Tanner Janot's been doing it. Luke Cunning had two goals mm-hmm. last night, and he's been a little slow. I think there's more expectation out of him, which you'd like to see out of him, especially when they brought him in, see what he, his potential is as well. There's so much potential for Luke Cunning, I think. I think yep. he's a guy that should be that 18 to 22 goal scorer per year. He should be that Craig Smith kind of And I think consistent. that he recognized that, and I mean, oh, yeah. he went ahead and took care of it and got two in one game. Got two right there. <laughs> Uh, so what you're seeing there is, is the development of secondary scoring, which is absolutely important. And finally, the taxi squad being back. You're seeing guys like Matt Luff step in and mm-hmm. putting some things together out there, too. And that's what's been great, too, is, for instance, if you hadn't watched a Predators game since, say, November, and you watched the past few games, you're going, who are some of these people? I know. And they're stepping up. But isn't that amazing that you could, you could watch them and say, who are these people? And they're still right. putting out great wins against, <laughs> against a skilled team like Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and coming but up. That's the beauty of the team. Yeah, and, and coming up, they're going to play Buffalo and then a slew of games because Boston, one day off, and then back-to-back to St. Louis, Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg, we'll see if those happen. Oh, wait, those are at home. Never mind. Those are going to happen. Uh, then Detroit, so three home, four games, but three of those being home next week. So that's a lot of games, but a lot of opportunity there, too, um, mm-hmm. when, when they see what they're playing. But coming up, we're going to talk to Joe Yurden out of Buffalo to talk about the Sabres game coming up because Buffalo's down four goaltenders. <laughs> they had to go out and sign an emer- yeah. basically an emergency goaltender. And this is one of those things because Buffalo's already reeling. Mm-hmm. This cannot be one of those games where the Predators play down to their opponent. Mm-hmm. This is one of those, everyone's going to be looking at this to be be a potential trap game, even though Boston's eighth overall in, in the East, but it's still Boston's Boston. They've got to come out and just put it all out there. I know that's cliche, but you've got to go out yeah. and take care of business and show that you can be completely dominant for the overwhelming majority of that game and do not let Buffalo have a sniff because that's the game that people are going to be watching. Okay, you just beat Colorado. How do you, you follow it do up? with this? Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, even a few months ago, that might have been more of a concern in my mind because right. we have seen that team, this team do that before. But with the streak that they're on right now. Oh, yeah. I don't foresee that happening, but that's when you that's when teams really, really have to be cautious, um, especially when you pull out a win like that against Colorado and it's such a stellar game. You cannot you can't stop that. You can't right. stop that momentum that you had in that game when you go play against a Buffalo. Right. Because if you do, I mean, nine times out of ten, history usually shows a Buffalo team is going to beat you. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And they have plenty they have plenty of young guys on that team, too. And it's the role of being, being a type of spoiler as well when no one's wanting to give them credit. I mean, I can only imagine what the line is on that game, especially mm-hmm. being down four goaltenders. But 
Magic being the goalie is going to be playing, right? We're going to talk exactly. to Joe Yurden about that. But that's what's going to be a curious case to see how a team like that responds to a team that is reeling right now, dealing with some goaltender injuries that just – can't even imagine that happening uh, to a team being down four goaltenders and a couple of them saying month-to-month status. Not day-to-day or week-to-week, but month-to-month status. So let's go ahead and discuss the Predators' next opponent tomorrow night with Joe Yurden of the Maintenance Podcast. Uh, up next, your Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Richard Jarrett, Taren Canvas behind the glass, and up next, so excited to have him back. It's been a while since we've had the noted jerk on the radio waves here in Nashville. Uh, Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey and Mainstay Podcast joining us, talking about Buffalo. Joe, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, it's nice to be back on the air with you guys. It's uh, It's been a while since the Sabres have visited town, so it's good to be back it has it's so weird whenever we talk to folks from those that are out that were outside of that weird central division last season <laughs> and, and talking yeah. to folks from there it's like oh that year happened that's right <laughs> <laughs> well i tell you it, it was it was very weird just seeing philadelphia come to town four times the rangers four times it's just kind of like isn't there anybody else in this league why why <laughs> right. why everybody here? Like, please please <laughs> yeah, just change up the view a little bit come on guys please <laughs> well joe things things have gotten hashtag weird uh in buffalo with the gold tender situation uh, going on up there. I mean, it, I, it's happened, I think, what, once before, not too long ago, but having four goaltenders being injured the way that they are and having to obviously make some some moves to get this covered. What's what's going on with the goaltender situation in Buffalo? How are they handling it, and what are just your overall thoughts on this entire situation in general? Well, if, you ever, if you've ever tried to herd cats before, that's, that's kind of what the Sabres <laughs> are doing when it comes to goalies, because it's Man, it's a lot. You know, they they started the year with Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell as their as their you know one two punch, and uh, Craig Anderson was playing fantastic. You know, for for a forty year old guy playing goalie that you know some thought he was going to retire after last year, came out and he was playing fantastic, and uh, he got banged up. He's got an upper body thing, uh, and he's out month to month. He's been out for a few months already, and uh, I do wonder if he's even going to be able to come back this season. Um, so he's gone. Aaron Dell played extremely poorly. Uh, well, when he took over in net and he's eventually wound up getting sent down to Rochester because they added Uko Pekalukinen. It's, it's a mouthful. He's a Finnish guy. You guys know Finnish <laughs> oh, yeah. goalies there. Uh, and they, uh, and Lukanen came up and you know, he was having a rough time in the AHL, but he played really solid hockey. He was playing very, very good, uh, until he got hurt last night. Uh, they added Malcolm Subban, um, well, they, they added Subban, which forced them to move Dell down to Rochester. Subban gets hurt last night because he had Patrick Maroon land on him, uh, land on him in a, you know, he came through the crease and just, you know, kind of connected with him and landed right on top of him. Subban, we thought, might have had to get bounced from the game as well. We would have seen an e-bug, but uh, he held on. He played through the rest of the game. I mean, it was, the game was a bit of a wash. It was a 6-1 loss to the Lightning. But, uh, but Subban's out month to month now as well, so Dell is back. They signed Michael Hauser, who played for them last season for a bit, got his first NHL win last season, you know, playing as a, I forget how old he is now, close to 30. He's a guy who bounced around a lot in the ECHL and the AHL, but uh, but he's back up. He's going to be back up with Buffalo now, and it's looking dark, man. It's, it's, it's pretty grim. A lot has happened since the start of 2021 compared to 2022 now um, in Buffalo. A year of transformation, and looking ahead on rebuilding this team when the core that they had planned to build around are no longer there. So just, 
I want your overall thoughts on the direction this team is headed and the steps that they've taken this past year to get them there and kind of what that fan expectation is as they're reshifting their foundation now. Well, the, the fans got pretty frustrated after a while here with, with how things had gone with Jack Eichel, with Sam Reinhart, with Rasmus Ristolainen, and uh, you know a handful of others who have been through town in, in the last five, six years. Um, the wins never really happened. The playoffs never happened. Uh, they never really even got close to the playoffs. The closest they got was the, the year was 2019-2020 uh, with the bubble uh, operation You know when COVID first kicked in. And they missed the bubble by two points. Uh, they finished they finished 25th in the league, I believe it was. So they, you know, that's as close as they've been to making a postseason of any kind in the last 10, 11 years now. So they decided to start over again. You know, uh, as it finally came out, Jack Eichel asked for a trade a year ago. Um, that's how they wound up signing Taylor Hall, making some of the some of those weird moves last season, and it didn't work. Didn't make Jack want to stay around. So. They moved Jack. They moved Sam over the summer. They moved Ristolainen to Philly. Sam Reinhardt's in, in Florida. And of course, Jack is in Vegas now. So, um, but they but they've restocked with youth. Like that's that's what you do when you when you when you move guys out like that that are that good. And we've already seen a handful of these guys come up and, and play well. Dylan Cousins, he's been a very solid guy for them up the middle. We just saw Jack Quinn make his debut last night. Played very well in a very bad game for Buffalo. Uh, we saw J.J. Paterka come up uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was a second-round pick a year or so ago, and he's been having a dynamite season in the AHL, so is Quinn. Uh, it's, it's a very young team. It's a very, it's a very not-deep team, and that's been tested terribly now because of, because of COVID, because of injuries, because of all that stuff. So it's, the expectations were already low. I don't think anybody was, was thinking playoffs before this season started. If they were, they, were, they, were, they might have been out to lunch or – you know, maybe having a few too many liquid lunches. I don't know, but um, but that was, but there was there was no expectation to playoffs this year. So I think it's managed to kind of tamp things down when it comes to disappointment with how things have gone. I mean, they've won five games, five of their last twenty twenty four games. I think it is. I think they're five fourteen and five uh, since starting five zero and one this year. So it's it's been rough. Fans are a little bummed out about it and i think they're everybody's focused on the bills right now to be to be perfectly frank so <laughs> that people are hoping the bills go, go all the way go all the way this year just to keep people away from the sabers <laughs> well you mentioned jack quinn so i want to talk about him the silver lining in his nhl debut against tampa bay i mean he led buffalo with three shots and nearly scored twice um mm-hmm. trailed only by nikita kucherov so two solid chances in his first nhl game is not a bad start i know it's a very very small sample size but i want to get your overall thoughts thoughts on him after his debut and how do you feel like he's going to benefit this lineup further down the road well I, he's had an unreal season i mean he, he played in in rochester last year as a, as a 19 year old because you know, they shut down the ohl so he couldn't play there so he was allowed to play in rochester he had a very rough season um you know the points were really coming it's it's such a hard thing for guys that young to play in the AHL because the AHL is a man's league. Like that's, that's an older guy league and it's a very good league. It's, you know, I, I argue it's the second best pro league in the world. You know, I, I rank it ahead of the KHL, but that's, you know, that's my opinion, but, um, but that's a hard place for a guy to break in. And he had a tough year last year. It's, there's no doubt. And he ended up having to get a uh, sports hernia surgery at the end of the season. Um, but he found, he came back this, this year in Rochester. He's been dynamite. He's, he's been, 
He's been doing stuff that hasn't happened in Rochester in a while when it comes to offensive production, probably since probably since the, the lockout season back in 04-05 when you had Jason Pominville and Thomas Vanek and those guys playing in, playing in Rochester. So they, he's, he's having a dynamite season there. And I, however many games he ends up playing in Buffalo this year, I mean, you know, who knows? He might, not, he might not be around too much longer depending on who comes back from COVID and whatnot. But, um, but the expectations on him are that he's going to be able to fill the net and that he's going to be able to play really well uh, being a, an opportunist, opportunist kind of player, hopping on loose pucks, being in the right place at the right time all the time, which he's been this year. Um, but that's just that's having the, the smarts to be around the net and being close. So he's going to be a huge bump for them, offensively speaking, uh, when he's ready to go full time. Which hey, it might not be might not be too far down the road the way things are going. Again, Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey and Mainstay Podcast joining us on Penalty Box Radio. And Joe, it'd be remiss of me to not mention Jack Eichel. Uh, and and what's going on there with Vegas getting getting him ready and him hitting the ice? Is that something that's still discussed even in Buffalo? Is it more like everybody's moved on and excited for the prospects they got in return? What's just been the notion there of how people are feeling seeing Eichel finally hit the ice there in Vegas? Well, I, I think Jack's been out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. long enough now since since definitely since the trade, but you know certainly since you know the the whole thing where you know it, it was he was going to be traded in the off season at some point like that. Everybody was waiting for that band-aid to get pulled off. And, you know, fans got way more frustrated with it when it took forever to happen. Um, but the guys that they've added, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, uh, they've both had time just recently now in, in Buffalo. You know, Tuck was out with the shoulder surgery, uh, which he, he had gotten at the end of last season. So he had just come back. Krebs call, got called up with, you know, again, with injuries and COVID stuff going on. He got the call to come up and, you know they're they're running very thin at center, and Krebs has looked he's looked great. Um, honestly, like he's not a shoot first guy. He's a pass he's a passing guy, but man, he's he can handle the puck. He can find guys very well, and he's he's gotten some time with Tuck. He he assisted Tuck on Tuck's first Sabres goal, and it was it was a dynamite play. It was it was a genuinely excellent play to see, and it's those kinds of things that have people excited. You know, people have. You know, I'm sure it's going to change. You know, if the Sabers play Vegas when they play Vegas in February, <laughs> Jack playing if Jack plays that one, or when they oh man, when <laughs> Vegas comes to Buffalo in March, I am I am positive Jack's going to be playing in that game. So uh, I'll, it, it's going to ramp up again. But it's it's been quiet. Seeing him back on the ice now, people are just kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, we got our own problems here. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that that makes sense. Yeah, I can only imagine the amount of national talk that's going to happen leading up to those games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, oh, Joe, yeah. as always, man, we certainly appreciate your insight and looking forward to tomorrow night's game. And uh, yeah, man, just thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, no, happy to do it. I forgot one goalie when I was talking goalies. Oh yeah, Justin Tukarski. So yeah, I forgot. I forgot oh, the so many. goalie who was who was coming up. So yeah, so yeah. it's a lot to it's keep been up that with. year, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's been the kind of year. <laughs> All right, thanks, Joe, so much. Yeah, take care, guys. You too. All right, folks. Joe Yurden of Noted Hockey and the Maintenance Day Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Yurden. I mean, he's always fantastic. He's great. Uh, noted jerk. That goes l- far a, back. I know. It's been <laughs> so. It's been a while since we talked to him, but that goes back a long way. And he's always a joy to have on. Always a joy, and he keeps it real as well. We always love it when they can keep it real. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Up next, let's discuss something a little more serious. Uh, things have been going on in the Prince Edward Island Hockey League. Um, off-ice officials being fired for being whistleblowers. Let's discuss hockey culture. And we've discussed it before. It's been discussed so much, and it needs to continue to be an ongoing discussion. So we're going to take that on. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game.
And welcome back to Penalty Box here here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us. And you've probably seen tweets uh, and discussion about so many different things going on, especially with the PEI Hockey League, the Prince, the Prince Edward Island Hockey League, uh, about a player, Keegan Mitchell, uh, and him. he was suspended uh, because he basically – what they said is he offended social media policy when he was standing up for one of his teammates and posting about it that no consequences came to it because the teammate was receiving Asian-based racist remarks. Problem number one, then it took a long time for this to get addressed, and PEI Hockey League finally addressed that in a statement today. This happened on December 17th. It's January 12th. Uh, the statement read, on December 17th, an act of racism occurred in a game between the Sherwood Metros and Kensington Vipers. Hockey PEI believes fundamentally that racism and discrimination of any form have no place in the game, and we acknowledge and express our sincere regret for errors that were made in our handling of the incident. The incident made us realize that our in- inclusivity and anti-harassment guidelines for officials, teams, players, and their families do not go far enough to protect those that they should. We are committed to change not only the guidelines of the game on the island, but the culture as well. Um, with Within our existing rules, Hockey PEI issued a suspension to the player who used the racist remark. However, this suspension was not proportionate to the act that was committed and has been increased to five games. We acknowledge the initial error in judgment and express our deepest apologies to the victim. Secondly, Keegan Mitchell, the young man who defended his teammate, was suspended indefinitely for violating Hockey PEI's social media policy. Hockey PEI is repealing the suspension effective immediately. As an organization, as individuals, we need to take a stand against racism and help make the hockey environment a safe and welcoming place for everyone. We commend Keegan for speaking up for what was right and shining a spotlight on our missteps around this tragic incident. That's one incident. Sad that we have to talk about two. Mm-hmm. Then this was reported by Rick Westhead. Uh, if you don't follow up, you need to on social media. He is doing King's work uh, out there in terms of exposing things that need to be changed in the sport of hockey. So two former National Hockey League off-ice officials allege in a newly filed lawsuit that they were fired for reporting a colleague who used racist and sexually charged language for years while working for the league. In a lawsuit filed Monday in U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Florida, lawyers for David Walkowiak and James Watkins, former crew officials who worked for the NHL during lightning games in Tampa, wrote that Walkowiak and Watkins should be rehired in the NHL and receive punitive damages for the treatment that they actually caught on recording of one of their co-workers just spewing out remarks. During their tenure with the NHL, the two former officials alleged that colleague Pat DeLorenzo Jr. repeatedly used the racist language at work. They have recordings of this. Uh, DeLorenzo made negative and racial comments about NHL employees, including but not limited to the NHL's African-American hockey players and the African-American veteran Sonia Bryson Kirksey, who sings the national anthem at Tampa Bay Lightning Games at Amelie Arena. I mean, this it just goes on. And they also say that they knew that a recent previous female off-ice official from another city was terminated by the NHL shortly after reporting sexual harassment at work. Mm. What in the world is going on? All steps backwards. <laughs> so many steps All backwards. Steps in the wrong direction. The statement by Hockey PEI is a final step, finally a step in the right direction. And we have we recognize that. But it's still not enough. Mm-hmm. It, the conversation still has to be going because it took this long for a statement it, to come out. It took that coming out. <laughs> yeah. It took Keegan Mitchell doing what he knew was right. And I want to just, I, I mean, kudos to him because he actually said, he said, I don't care if I never play hockey again. Mm-hmm. Because he knew what he did was right. 
He knew that his suspension from social media, he knew that was wrong. He knew what he was doing was the right thing to do. And it should not have taken this story to go public and a month of time to pass before something happened. I mean, it. I hate to imagine that the people that continue to sweep this horrific behavior under the rug are in their homes raising their children saying, don't stand up for yourself. Don't stand up for your friends. Don't stand up for your teammates. Don't do the right thing. I highly doubt that any of them are raising their children to believe that. I highly doubt that's happening. But with every single instance that they dismiss and they shove under the rug, they're not only implying that that's what they believe and what they want their own children to believe, but they're, they're saying that that's, that's the right thing to do. That's what they're, they're implying that, and they're also encouraging that. And it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. So shout out to Keegan Mitchell for standing up for his teammate, not even just a teammate, for another human being. Even if he wasn't even friends with him, he stood up for somebody when somebody did something wrong. And I am, I'm in disbelief that we're still living in a world where it takes this going public and it takes people screaming at the top of their lungs for somebody to say, oh, yeah, that was the right thing to do. Good for him. I mean, the, Keegan was in trouble because he made a post uh, on January 5th. A Facebook post criticizing the response to the incident, saying the Vipers player's actions deserve a stiffer penalty. He was only suspended for two games. Oh, no, it's up to five games. Hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> behavior like this, and they finally had a response, but behavior like that to only suspend a player for two games. You can come out with, well, it was just a mistake. Well, people have to pay for their mistakes. There are repercussions that have to happen when you do something. You can't just slap somebody on the wrist and expect them not to do it again. How do you try to say, don't do this again? You have a stiffer penalty for things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you do. And not just that, you continue to educate. So Keegan even ad- he addressed the player on the ice as well and said, hey, man, that was, that was not, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That was what you said was racist and whatever. Just, it was basically blown off. By the league. And this is not a league that obviously gets discussed a lot nationally. It's, the, it's hockey PEI. So it's obviously a big time in Prince Edward Island and in, in that part of Canada. And obviously we're not discussing it much here unless something happens and something has happened. But to have that initial type of response and that's what they do is decide to suspend him for standing up for someone. Punishing, punishing him for doing the for right doing thing. For doing the right thing. And, and for him to barely, take that stand, yeah. Barely punishing somebody that did something did wrong horrific. Yeah, and horrific. And for him to say again, if I don't ever play hockey again, that's fine by me because I'm going to fight until it's right. Those are the people we need to keep pushing forward in the sport. And this isn't just about this incident, folks. This is about our sport that we love and we have to correct behaviors. We have to correct behaviors or the good old boys are going to keep pushing through and going to keep getting hired and going to keep doing the same old crap every single time something happens. We just sweep it under the rug or wait for it to actually you know, be discussed and something happens and have to address it. Chicago, NHL. Or have someone come report that they were someone sexually report. harassed yeah. and then they get terminated because they reported it. Right. And you wonder why people hold back from reporting. Right. You lose your job. Right. And, and then you have mm. these off-ice officials 
<laughs> who were fired, allegedly, I have to mm-hmm. say allegedly, allegedly fired for being whistleblowers on racism. I mean, the NHL lives by hockey is for everyone, right? Hockey is yeah. for everyone. Hockey is for everyone. Hockey is for everyone. They do specialty nights and everything. Hockey is for everyone. Mm-hmm. But how many times are we going to go through this and see them not living by the statement? And it's not just the NHL. It's so many different leagues out there. There are so many. There's so many good people, first of all. Mm-hmm. There's so many good people in this sport. And yes, we discuss the negative because we have to learn from what's going on negatively. There's so many good people that are trying to make a difference and trying to push things through. And that's why I want to talk about Keegan Mitchell, not about the bad things that happened more, that he took a stand in the right way and made sure it was known that he was going to stand for justice and what was right and how things need to be changed to force a statement to come from his league saying that they have to reevaluate and they have to redo what they, how, they, how they react to situations. And then you have this, the National Hockey League, again, being involved in an incident where you have allegedly a woman was fired for reporting sexual harassment. You have office officials allegedly fired for reporting racism with apparent proof in terms of audio recordings. We have to be better. We have to be better. And that's why we're discussing this, because we have to be better. Things will not change unless we keep putting pressure on those in charge to be better that's the only way things will change you can't just expect journalists like rick westhead to keep doing all the work we have to as fans of the game and yeah i'm a journalist as well but as fans Mm -hmm. of the game we have to put pressure on those in charge we have to demand more and demand better of the sport we love and you see plenty of players out there doing that and being involved but you have to continue to demand more because it still is out there these are learned behaviors Mm mm-hmm these things are learned behavior from someone, whether it could be a parent, it could be a teammate, it could be a coach, it could be someone. We have to weed out all the bad and keep pushing forward the good. That's the only way because it starts when they're young. Look at how many bad habits are developed by hockey players when they're in juniors. We've seen how many times mm-hmm. with mental health, with drug abuse, with alcohol abuse, starts when they're in junior, when they're teenagers. Mm-hmm incredibly impressionable time Incred- in their lives. But, oh, that's part of hockey culture. <laughs> no. No. Just because it's the way maybe people did it back in the 60s or 70s doesn't mean that's the way we have to do things now. We shouldn't be doing things that way now. We should absolutely not be doing things that way now because we are more aware and supposed to be more aware of how all these things affect someone. Imagine how much better a player could be, too, if they weren't having to deal with Mental health issues or addiction issues or anything of that being sort. Verbally attacked being by verbally attacked or physically yeah. attacked yeah. by people. Imagine how much better this sport could be if we didn't have to worry about that all the time. If we could just know that, you know what, there's a bunch of guys out there battling hard, playing the game they love, and not having to deal with in this. Respect. But now, in yeah. respect. Yeah. And there's so much respect between hockey players, but then you get this. How do you expect to grow the game? And if this is your first time listening, thank you. Mm-hmm. And number two, we're all about growing the game here. On Penalty Box Radio, for 10 years, mm-hmm. has been about growing the game. What can we do to grow the game? When we still have this going on in hockey culture, that's not how you grow the game. How do you expect to get people from different backgrounds to love the game even more if this is still a concern? If they could potentially be an attack? On the- We've seen it how many times in the NHL? We've seen Wayne Simmons have to deal with it, P.K. Subban. Mm-hmm. So many. We want to grow the game. You have to be inclusive to people and be welcoming to people. That's for off-ice officials, on-ice officials, coaches, parents, players, everyone. 
you make people feel welcome. And then you stand for what is right like so many are doing, but not like what these leagues have been doing, trying to protect themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to Chicago and even further back. But just like what happened with Chicago and how the league handled that, it's very poor. I'm, I'm not happy at all with how they've handled these situations because it continues to happen. And yep. you have to protect the people that are going to make reports. And do not even think and come at me with, well, you know, we have to make sure it's not a faulty, faulty report. But come you on. can also only come out to the public so many times and say <laughs> that we're working towards being better and then continue to have incidents happen be before people aren't going to believe you. Just be better. That's all, exactly. Be better and hold people accountable. That's that's what I expect out of the NHL being the best league mm-hmm. in the world, being the best hockey league in the world. You should be the best at everything you do. Mm-hmm. Lead by example. You lead by example. You are making sure that you are making sure hockey is for everyone. And yet you can throw money at so many different things. You can throw money at development camps. You can throw money at at providing equipment to people. You can throw money at this and this and that. But your actions and how you respond to things are going to speak so much louder than just the money you throw. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want is more action on how you're going to make this game safe for everyone, how you're going to make people feel like they're included and they can play this game, how to make sure people realize that if they do have a problem to report that they're going to be fully supported throughout and not be fired for being a whistleblower on that. That's how you become the best. You're not the best if you're handling situations like that. You're not the best. No one in hockey is the best if you allow racism to stand. Nobody in hockey is the best if you're allowing sexism to stand. Nobody in hockey is the best if you're allowing hate to stand. That's not what our sport's supposed to be about. We love this sport because the community that it brings together, the way it brings respect together, the way people stand up for when a, a high school hockey player passes away. The way people come together for that. The way people come together when someone's battling something that's been harmful to them. The way people come together to save other hockey programs. The way people come together to support one another when they know that someone's in trouble. That's the sport we love. But you got to push through with that. You cannot stand for hate of any sort. And you've got to support people when they absolutely need it the most. That's how you make our sport the best. That's how you make your league the best. Okay. Up next, lots of questions came through on Twitter. Lots of questions. We're going to address those, whether it's uh, about Encanto (laughs) out there, about biggest surprises, about disappointments so far. We're going to address that all next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. And welcome back to Penalty Box here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared, really taking care of us with playing some Encanto music here. If you have not seen the movie Encanto. And I still have not. Oh boy. I know. I'm Disney the worst. Plus. You gotta I'm see gonna, it. I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to make a goal to watch it this weekend. Because okay. I have seen a lot of stuff on social media about it. And yeah, it's fantastic. And when I got in studio... You looked yeah. at me like, oh my gosh, I oh can't believe goodness. you haven't seen it. So. Oh my goodness, you've got to go see it. No. Got to go see it. But you need to watch it. And you know, for those of you that don't know, this is my last show as a single man. 
it is. Well, you're not even technically single right now. Well, you're mean, unmarried. Tax-wise. Yeah. Unmarried. This is yeah. the last time that I'm going to see Justin <laughs> as an unmarried man. I'll be back next week, but I'm just saying. I know. As an unmarried man. That's so weird. Yeah. You're going to be so married by the next time I see so you. so married. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're going to be uh, such a husband next time I see you. <laughs> I mean, I apparently I already have been. I cook really well, so. Oh, yeah. Cooking. Yeah. All right. Questions coming in. Music City Gold. Who is your favorite character from Bruno, and why is it Bruno who we don't talk about? <laughs> Bruno <laughs> is a great character, but I think, actually, my favorite character, one of them is going to be Minabelle's dad, because Sounds he actually like stands up. Name. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. And also, I really like Dolores. Uh, those are two of my, my favorites right there. I'm, Glenn, you will have to just do that next week, right? Yeah, because I ain't got nothing. Uh, this one comes <laughs> from Logan. Uh, who is Spider Man? You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But no. But seriously, uh, where and how is Forsberg? Forsberg's still on COVID protocol. As long as he tests negative, uh, should be fine uh, to come back pretty soon. I think he missed Saturday. So maybe Thursday, I think. We'll see. We'll see tomorrow uh, when that happens. This uh, question comes in from George. But the same question to you that I asked Adam Vingan this week. Out of all the pleasant surprises this year, has anyone disappointed you? Glenn? Um, I know I, I, I mean, wouldn't prepare you for this one. But. Well, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't really want to say... I don't want to say disappointed in Luke Cunningham because I think he started to show right uh, what he was made of against the game against Colorado. So, but I think initially, as far as like lack of scorecard production, I would say that. But I don't. I wouldn't really feel I was disappointed in him. I think it was just more of like a. I maybe thought he would have come out of the gate a little bit hotter, but I think that he's starting to maybe find that. Okay. So, I mean, for me, my disappointment would be. What we've seen out of Philippe Myers. I he's only played fifteen games so far. And I know you're not expecting a one for one trade and you get rid of Ellis and you bring in Myers and expect him to play top minutes. Mm-hmm. I figured he was gonna be more of the the stalwart on the third pairing. Mm-hmm. I thought he was gonna be the guy that'd probably be at maybe twenty seven games by now. Yeah, scratched for a few, but only played fifteen and only has one point. That's more my disappointment in terms of what's what is going on there. Is he still considered a prospect? He's been a pro for a few seasons now. Mm-hmm. What do they want out of him in terms of long-term or not long-term? I know there's still guys in the wings, but... Yeah, that's a fair question. That, that is. That is absolutely a fair question. Okay, this one is coming from uh, Alex. Should John Hines get serious consideration for the Jack Adams Award if the Predators keep this pace up? 100% yes. Absolutely yes, because the you, you do this especially based on the expectation, not necessarily on a team that was expected to be good. And, oh, wow, surprise, exactly. they're all of a sudden good. Oh, they're good. Yeah. Yeah, if they keep this pace, because most people, including myself, had them in the gray area for playoffs, of maybe a wild card, or maybe just on the outside looking in. So they could be yep. competitive, mm-hmm. but didn't have them beating out many other teams. Well, they're blowing that out of the water right now. So yeah. absolutely, just so like, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking for an ideal candidate, I think, if oh, yeah. this continues on, then you can't not right. look at Hines. You can't. Right. Just like Because this adver- is exactly what you're giving yeah. that award away for. Just like the adversity that Mike Vrabel yep. faced exactly. with all the injuries with the Titans and everything and still pushed through to get the number one seed. Mm-hmm. That's what Coach of the Year is about. Yeah. How do you recover from that adversity that you face mm-hmm. uh, as a team? Uh, this one comes from Ian. Oh, with all the postponements, does anyone know what the NHL is planning to do with the games? Uh, will the Olympic break be used? Well, the NHL is supposedly looking at the Olympic break to use that to reschedule games. But a lot of arenas 
already had things scheduled during those two weeks off. I know Bridgestone Arena only has like maybe two or three nights overall planned there, but that's still trying to work around schedules for other teams as well to get these postponed games in. And now we're, we're less than a month from the Olympic break and no announcement. So be prepared for some last minute. Oh, by the way, there's a game coming up in two days at seven. Or two hours. Yeah, (laughs) two hours. Okay. This one comes from a good friend, Kyle Perkins. Uh, In actuality, what is the true definition of the Calder Trophy? What is their overall deciding factor in deciding this trophy? (laughs) He's trolling a little bit there. But it's a good, fair question because we brought up in the first segment as well. what what is it should be the best rookie right the mm-hmm. best rookie i look at, at look at it as the mvp of rookies yeah is what i'd be looking at, at it as and yep. in terms of the most valuable of their based on of all their of their contributions yep. yeah of their I organization agree. how valuable are they how much of a difference did they make to the organization with their play and with that being said that's why Taylor Janot should be part of the conversation mm-hmm. i won't say he deserves to win till we get closer to the end of the season with where he's at but as it stands right now he should be part of the discussion yep agree, JB. All right. (laughs) Let's see. This one comes from Johnny. What's more likely to happen this year? Forsberg hits 40 goals or Duchesne hits 30? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to go with Duchesne hitting 30. Not that I don't believe that Forsberg could hit 40. I I agree. But I have to pick one. (laughs) I agree. I think Duchesne hits 30. I think Forsberg... Just because it typically happens, he'll probably miss a couple more games. Just something's going to get tweaked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays a physical game and everything, too. And obviously, he's a target of a lot of opposition mm-hmm. uh, as well. Time for one more to, to read here uh, from Boyd, who had a bigger 2021 slash start to 2022 in terms of he might actually be good. Dante Fabro, Ellie Tolvanen, or John Hines? I'm going to go with John Hines on this one. I've always known he I mean, we... It was only it was a ticking time bomb, not bomb, but like it was only a matter of time, right? Until it was like, okay, now we're gonna see, now we're gonna see what he's got, what he's got this team together. So I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, I'll go with him as well. More so that because you see buy-in, mm-hmm. you see buy-in to the systems right now. You see the team buying in, you're, like, you're having they fun. Get it. Yeah, and like Matt Duchesne yesterday said in his quote that you see the players and you see everybody just kind of give a damn. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that's what he said in his yeah. post game. They, they give a damn. Uh, and you can tell that, too, with the way they're battling. They're able to match the energy of the opposition in a good way of what they did against Colorado with that mental fortitude. So, yeah, I'll go with John Hines. It's been a, a pleasant surprise to see what he's been able to do when he's had a full training camp and actually mm-hmm. time to prepare for a season like that, too. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Big thanks to Jared Cassidy for taking care of us behind the glass. And for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thank you so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.